This is an ABC podcast. Once upon a time, a blue tick on Twitter meant that you or an organisation were verifiably important. But this week on Download This Show, somehow that little blue tick has made people into a pariah and some of the biggest names on the planet are actually rejecting it. How and why? Well, we will get into all of that. Also on the program, why one groundbreaking news organisation is shutting down. We're also talking about a very weird truck from Elon Musk, billionaire and Bond villain cosplay gone bad. And should Facebook be paying you? All of that and much more coming up. This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Mark Fennell and welcome to Download This Show. Yes, indeed, it is a brand new episode of Download This Show. Our guests this week are brilliant. Allow me to introduce them one by one because that is what they deserve. Uh, <laughs> you may call him Professor Tech. Uh, he also goes by the title of Professor of ICT at CQ University. Michael Cowling, welcome to Download This Show again. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. And digital strategist and managing director at Coffee at Tea. Meg Coffee, welcome back. Thank you. I like that you put the tea second. Really puts tea in its place. Well, you you know, it is all about coffee, right? I mean, it's just stained water. Anyone that says otherwise can fight me. All right. uh, (laughs) First up this week, it is actually kind of sad news we're going to start with. It's kind of an end of an era. A couple of years ago, there was this exciting new part of BuzzFeed that was breaking news and doing incredible uh, journalism all around the world. And Meg, it is no longer. What's happened? I know, it's really sad. Amongst all of the many tech layoffs that have happened, recently BuzzFeed News has come out and said that they will be shutting down. So it's not BuzzFeed, the whole BuzzFeed. It's just the the news department, you know, the one that won all the awards, like the Pulitzer Prize and things like that. So they're shutting that down. And they're saying that they're shutting it down basically because they just can't afford to keep it running. So you'll still be able to do all your quizzes and 17 things you never knew about being a virtual reality content creator, literally a thing that's on the front page right now. But the news part no longer profitable for them. Why is it no longer profitable for them, Michael? What, what is it about it that, that is not working that once upon a time did? Look, I think ultimately it's a it's a story not dissimilar to a lot of other journalism outlets, which is that how do you monetize uh, journalism in the online age? BuzzFeed is known for you know ten surprising things that we may not know about Mark Fennell, you know, but uh, but so so but they did move into this space and they did a good job in this space, but I think they've just struggled to uh, monetize and sustain that model as a news journalism space. Why was BuzzFeed News set up, Meg? Like, what was it supposed to do? Well, I mean, it was supposed to, to, to be a, a news arm and an interesting news arm and, a, and a, an arm that would go after stories. I don't want to say that mainstream media wouldn't because that makes it sound different, but it was it was investigative. It was finding articles or, or finding stories that maybe other outlets didn't have the capacity to research or the desire to research. And it sort of, in my view, gave a bit of credibility to the the BuzzFeed listicles that we'd come to know because you, you never really associated news and BuzzFeed until this arm came out. Was this surprising, Michael, in any way? Because I feel like there's a part of me that when I saw the story, my first reaction was like, huh, I kind of thought that had already been done and I feel a bit bad about that. 
<laughs> Maybe it was. But look, I think they do have a reputation for producing some good news. It's interesting in the tech space, they had a reputation for a little while of breaking Apple news. They poached an editor uh, from 9to5Mac across to BuzzFeed and he, he had a reputation for breaking that news. So they were doing some great work. But I think ultimately, I mean, if we use that editor as an example, he then got poached further on towards Bloomberg. And so it becomes a situation where, as you say, BuzzFeed is known for those um, clickbait, you know, list sort of articles and maybe had trouble breaking out of that mould. With the end of BuzzFeed News, is there anything that you're going to miss, Meg? Well, I think that like one of my favorite ones recently is when David Mack um, and the Oscars were on and Will Smith, you know, had had the slap. He was the reporter that managed to grab it on TV and went viral with that video clip. So we're going to miss opportunities like that. I'm sure there'll be a new journalist, but that was that was my big favorite BuzzFeed News one recently. Mm. All right. Download the show is what you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. And look, we resisted for like a good four minutes, but we have to deal <laughs> with it. Over the last couple of days, we've seen blue ticks, people who have not signed up to Twitter Blue, its subscription service, blue ticks have been dropping left, right and centre. Interestingly, Meg, except for people who are <laughs> like have over a million followers, seems to be a thing, that, that these are people that have not signed up, are not paying, do not want to pay. Can you explain to me what's happened to you? Oh, oh, this is just, it's awesome. It is so awesome on so many levels. It has been it was quite a weekend if you are someone who watched or, you know, uses Twitter and is it considers yourself a heavy Twitter user because the drama that went on was just brilliant. So, yes, on 420, yes, that 420, um, everybody lost their blue check checks, right? So if you were verified in the legacy verification, which I am, um, Mark, you were, I believe, um, we, we lost our blue ticks. And they said that now if you want to have the blue tick, if you want to have the verification, you have to subscribe to Twitter Blue. And all of a sudden, it became very obvious that the only people that were subscribing to Twitter Blue, and let's note, there was a net 28 of them. Mm. Yes, out of all of the people that lost, they got 28 new subscribers out of this change. Anyways, all of these new subscribers all happened to be fanboys and people that were just absolutely in love with Elon. And it turned into, if you were a blue check, we're going to block you. And it went <laughs> wild. So Elon started, or Elon's team, or Twitter's team, shall we say, okay, they're going to start giving them back to people because you won't block Stephen King. You won't block LeBron. And anyone with a more, million or more followers started getting the back. It's been wild. It's been wild to watch. So I have a slight confession to make. A couple of weeks ago when they started doing the push notification going, you'll lose your blue tick if you don't subside up to this, this thing. One of the big threats was that you'd lose your two-factor authentication, which is like, you know, one of the security features. But you can lose two-factor authentication, but if you want, you can use an authentication app. And I, even as I'm describing it, I think I'm mentally taking you to the place of like, ah, too hard. So I just did the thing that I normally do when I'm lazy, which is I just paid for it, right? <gasps> yeah. And I explained this to somebody on the weekend and they gave me the same reaction, which is like, I'm paying for it because I'm lazy. And also I do a show where I have to review technology. And so I decided that it was a tax deduction. And so I'm just paying for it. And I mentioned this to a friend on the weekend. She's like, I'm judging you. And I'm like, what level of judgment should I be feeling right now because I'm paying for a thing that I have to talk about on the radio? Oh, you should have known better. Oh, I thought, you, I thought you were Jesus a good one. Jesus Christ. How am I supposed <laughs> to review a thing if, I'm not, if I don't know how it works? 
isn't it interesting though how it's flipped? He's flipped it so that now the tick is is the fanboys and it's the Elon Musk supporters and it's the people that want to appear famous as opposed to the people that were actually verified in the past. So yeah, Mark, unfortunately, it seems to be the done thing now, like Beyonce and the Pope, that you get rid of your tick, you give up your tick, and it's the people with the ticks that are not cool anymore, Mr. Fennell. I'm sorry. It'll this go is away. Some nonsense, my God. Like why do people care so much? I think anybody that's listened to this show over the last couple of months, I think recognises that I have some very pointed thoughts on Elon Musk and his behaviour. I don't understand how it's transpired to become such a toxic thing. So one, the Tony Stark to Mr. Burns transition. <laughs> the one day you'll live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Right. I think that when it was a subscription, like, I get it. I get where you were coming from. You wanted the 2FA. You wanted the, you know, the the ability to edit tweets or longer tweets or this. And when it was the company Twitter, you're like, yeah, I can support that. But right now, because Elon has been the main character of Twitter since November. <laughs> He's been the main character of Twitter. Basically, it went from Trump being the main character of Twitter, the chance gets kicked off, and now basically Elon's the main character of Twitter. Correct. Paying that $8 is you are supporting Elon. Elon Musk. You are not supporting Twitter. You are not supporting the platform. You are supporting him and his actions. And that's how it's viewed at the moment. Am I not also supporting all the staff and people that work there? Because like there was a time when we were like, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Was this not a, a jump into the realm of actually like taking some ownership over my relationship with the social media platform? Yeah, but you still get served ads. Right. Okay, no, that's a fair point. I'll pay that. I'll pay that. Is there any chance of it becoming not toxic anytime soon, Michael? Look, it's interesting. I asked my 13-year-old, I said, what the heck is happening with Twitter? Because, of course, you know, they know, right? And they he was really interesting. He said it all goes back to the fact that Elon Musk was wanted to buy Twitter in a heated moment, then tried to back out and they basically forced him to do it. So my 13-year-old says this is all a revenge plot. This is all, all a revenge plot to torpedo Twitter because he ultimately didn't really want to buy it in the first place. And when you look at it that way, you start to go, yeah, maybe he's right. I don't know. It doesn't seem 40, to make any sense. 44 billion. billion. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say $44 billion on like a whim feels like a slightly, slightly more supervillain cartoon character than I think I can buy. Just, <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm small of mind, but I feel like that just feels a little bit far-fetched to me. So I'm basically left with a situation where uh, as long as that little tick sits on my Twitter account, despite the fact that I am no great fan of Elon Musk, I'm, I'm being judged. Is that the vibe? Yes. This is some weird internet people stuff. Like, Look, do, you, do, like do, you, people out, do people outside of the internet actually know and care about this? No. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about whether or not this was genius marketing or a complete trash fire? Honestly, there, there was a net of 28 new subscribers. He torpedoed the, the brand safety, the, the value, the, the advertising dollars for, for, for 28 new subscriptions. I think it's been absolutely hilarious to watch all of these people. And what's interesting is the legal ramifications of this in the U.S. Because this, this new warning says that you are verified because you provided a phone number or you paid for the subscription. And all of these celebrities are going, whoa, 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 you know, I didn't pay for this. I didn't condone this. The Pope did not give Twitter his phone number. So is this actually now a misrepresentation of what's going on? And it's a whole new legal problem for Elon, which I just think is hilarious. So how do you think this is going to play out, Michael? What happens? Like, obviously, the, we've seen in the last sort of seven or, you know, ten days, 
this very strange, fast-moving storm of opinion in the tiny, tiny sandbox of, you know, highly influential people that is Twitter. When everybody's calmed down and had a Bex and lie down, what is this actually going to look like in about a week's time? Look, I think it just changes what the blue tick means. And maybe that's ultimately what, what they wanted. It, it, the blue tick previously meant that you were, you were verified, that you were somebody, you were actually Stephen King or whoever it was. I think now the blue tick just means that you're one of these people that, that supports Twitter, uh, that, that is, is paying for this service. And that means that we no longer have a mechanism for working out whether people are, are actually verified and, and are actually that person. I mean, obviously they've given their phone number, but is that actually the person that they claim to be? So I think it, as as things calm down, you're right. We're, the, Twitter's a bit crazy. Twitter's always a bit crazy. But as things calm down, I think it may just change what the blue tick means for us as a society. What do you think happens next, Meg? Twitter's done. I mean, it's peaked in what it was great for. I think when you're driving away all of the, the core users, those of us that are on there every day and, and put in 80% of the content, when we don't want to be there anymore, the platform it's not ever going to be what it was. You know, there's a couple of real-time events that have happened um, that Twitter used to be the place that you'd go and, and you'd chat about the sporting event or the, you know, the television show. It's lost that. So Twitter will, will not be what it was. I mean, technically, it's not even called Twitter anymore. It's X or whatever it is. Oh, that's um, right. He renamed the company, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, will there ever be a Twitter? No, because it took 10 years to achieve what it did achieve. Lots of other things out there, you know, Jack's new on Blue Sky or, or whatever these are. But I think that um, Twitter's days for the big users are numbered. Michael, one of the things I find tricky about this conversation is that Elon Musk has, I think, for all of the things he's said and done, I do think he has correctly surmised that Twitter lives and breathes on drama, right? And he is the drama. My question is, can that be sustainable? Like, does, does Twitter always need, like, a main character, as we said before, whether it's Trump or Elon? Can it ever be something where it's a thriving public town hall, as was always sort of promised? Can it ever go back to that uh, at some point? I think you're right. I think what happened is that, that Trump became the main character of Twitter. And when people talked about Twitter, they were talking about what Trump was doing on Twitter. So you may be right. Maybe maybe Elon's thought process is now that Trump is no longer part of Twitter, uh, Elon needs to step in and be the, the main character of Twitter instead. And by making these substantive changes to Twitter, he, he amps up the drama. He continues to get people talking about Twitter and what's happening on Twitter. And Twitter have pioneered that idea of, of hashtags and trending topics. And so Elon, in a way, is just creating trending topics by making these decisions on Twitter. I mean, as an idealist, I would hope that Twitter can exist without that main character pulling all of the strings. Meg, what do you think? I think I'm a little bit different to Michael in that one, in that I think that part of the problem is that you're not meant to have a main character for days on end. The way that that philosophy worked was that it was a new main character every single day. And there was a tweet that was sent out, I don't know, 2019-ish, and it said, you know, the goal is to every day wake up and not become the main character on Twitter, right? Because every day there'd be someone that was new. So I think that in touching on that outrage, Twitter 
early Twitter, you know, maybe five years ago, Twitter, it really did need that. However, as we are in 2023 of this cancel culture screaming, everything is an outrage, everything needs to get yelled at, that main character idea isn't sustainable any further because there's so much outrage on, on, on the platform, no matter what it is that you do, no matter what it is that you say, there, there is outrage. And, and that bit is not sustainable because you're going to turn away the people that actually used it to find the interesting news and sports and politics. If it is possible to divorce the Elon-esque from the Twitter blue function, right, and I, it sounds like it isn't actually possible, do you think that's worth the amount of money people paying for it? Just uh, just trying to divorce the Elon-esque for it, just like just looking at it as a as a as a pure sort of subscription service on a platform with, you know, millions of, of users, do you think that that amount of money is kind of worth that? I'm not going to make you feel better about this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, look, I think edit tweets, yeah, but also I like the fact that you have to slow down and pay attention to what you're writing. I think that puts the thoughtfulness into it. Um, but you still think, do, though, because it actually gives you a little t- – you write the tweet and it gives you a little timer before it sends yeah. it out, which I thought – I quite like that. I thought that was pretty yeah. good. I think the increased reach, I mean, who doesn't want increased reach? That's what it's all about, right? But then isn't that where advertising comes in or isn't that where you just have better content so people engage with you more? Yeah, but it's all still paying, right? You either pay for as a subscription for preferential treatment or you pay for something uh, as advertising. And not every tweet you put out necessarily you want to, you know, make turn into a sponsored post. Well, no, but I mean, I, 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 if I could divorce, I don't know. I did. You can't. You, I know you can't. I know no, you can't divorce the, the Elonness of it. I'm just trying to like I, evaluate I, it as a piece of technology. I look at it for my businesses. Like, so for myself personally, I don't care the kind of reach that I get. If, if, if it's an engaging tweet, awesome. If it's not, that's fine. For my businesses, on the other hand, yeah, if we could have more reach, but I also want brand security. You know, I, I want to know that our tweets are showing up next to appropriate things. Um, that's why we stopped advertising because we couldn't guarantee the brand security once Elon took over. Michael, just as a as a piece of technology, again, try and just divorce the Elon Musk from it for a moment. We know that he's he colours everything. Is it worth the money just as a as a series of functions? I think from a personal point of view, probably not. The edit functionality, I mean, do you want to pay for edit functionality? That feels like basic functionality that you should be getting without paying for it. From a business point of view, perhaps if you consider that $8 a month as a mechanism to get better reach to get preferential treatment. I mean, it's not that different than paying for, um, you know, small amounts of marketing on other social media. So maybe, but again, it, it does it need to be connected to the Twitter blue tick? Probably not. And maybe that's where things kind of went a bit wrong. Mm. All right. Well, I'm going to be evaluating my tax deduction on that one. Uh, staying <laughs> with uh, the expanded Musk universe, uh, in addition to the trash fire that is Twitter, he also has something called a cyber truck, which is, uh, I'm just going to, it looks like it looks like a toddler in Minecraft designed a car, I guess is how I'm going to describe it. It's sort of, uh, it it's, looks chrome. It's got sharp angles. What is it for, Michael? What does it do? That's a good question. What is it for? It's made, it's made out of stainless steel. It's supposed to be fairly sort of, as you said, a, a square and tank-like and perhaps indestructible, but I'm not entirely sure I know who it's for. It's, it's, the, it's the sort of more rugged four-wheel drive tank-like Tesla, 
I guess, is kind of what they're going for. But yeah, there's um, the, the I think the message about what who it's for is still a little bit murky. I always, whenever I think of the Cybertruck, I always think of Elon Musk throwing the baseball towards it and breaking the window when it wasn't supposed to break. <laughs> That's right. So for for people that are familiar, there was an event where I think he I think he maybe first unveiled it and they do the thing that they do at all these tech events which is they show it off and they do like you know they 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 try and show off how resilient it is and of course he threw something at it and it broke which is you know feels poetic in some way shape or form (laughs) um so the reason we bring it up is because we are expecting or at least they're promising that there will be uh the first cyber trucks delivered later this year in the context of that mech has there been any kind of sense of of what it's for, like, because it does look obviously stronger and more hearty. I'm describing it like it's a soup uh, than than the <laughs> standard Tesla car. What is the pitch? Well, I mean, it's it's a truck, so it's meant to compete with you know trucks, pickup trucks. Uh, the thing that I don't understand when I'm reading it, and I and I have yet to be able to find an image that shows me the back full on. It has a tow bed, like a pickup truck, but I don't see it. And and from what I can tell, and based on the angles. It, it's covered or something. Look, this car is, uh, it, it's not a car, it's a truck, and I don't get it. It is minimal on the inside. It's got the big touchscreen like the Tesla, but it's got the towing capacity of like a Dodge Ram or, you know, a Ford to F-250 or something like that. Um, it is a car for Elon's fanboys. I don't know. Like, you're not going to, I mean, you can go, you're not going to do pickup truck stuff with this car. You're not. Out of curiosity, I mean, we've come back to this idea of Elon's fanboys and it is a thing, right? Obviously, there's a whole bunch of people, particularly on Twitter, that are, you know, he's a visionary, he's uh, he's a troll, he's anti-work. These, there's a sort of, there's a, there's a whole bunch of cabal of, of ideas around him that a certain cohort of people are attracted to. Are there enough of them, Meg, to make his enterprise, all of it? Twitter, Tesla, are there enough of them to sustain him? I mean, not if he keeps trashing $44 billion, um, I wouldn't think. But I think I think possibly, you know, I mean, he is – you do have to give the man some credit. Like, you know, what he's trying to do with the rockets with Starship and, you know, all of his stuff trying to get to Mars. And he, he is somewhat of a visionary. But unfortunately, his evil side, his – that's – it just – he leans into that just too much. And it's how many people can you – annoy before you've just gone too far. I mean, at the mem- at the minute, after spending a couple hours on Twitter, you say, yeah, it's fully sustainable. He's got that many boys. But do they have any money to pay for these things? Mm. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, so I think that's the outstanding question is, 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 is Tesla as a brand successful because of Elon Musk or is Tesla as a brand successful because it's a good electric car brand? I think moderately uh, Tesla as an electronic car brand is moderately successful, but it's difficult to determine whether that's because of Elon Musk. People definitely look up to him because of what's happening with SpaceX and what he does in space. And so I think ultimately the Cybertruck is going to be the opportunity for us to work out whether or not it's about Elon Musk because, as Meg and I both said, the question becomes, well, what is the Cybertruck for? Is it just for the fanboys? And if it's just for the fanboys, is it going to be successful as an electric pickup truck? And finally here on Download the Show, Meg, in the last 16 years, have you used Facebook in the United States? 
See, this is an interesting one. Yes, I have used it because I travel there and I use it while I'm in the country, but I have not resided in the U.S. in the past 16 years. Mm, well, you, the questionable grey area you find yourself in legally <laughs> means you may be among the tens of millions of users who are eligible to submit a claim for payment from the social media giant uh, because of a class action settlement. What? What? Can you explain to me what's happened to you? If you have used Facebook, if you have lived in the U.S. and and used Facebook in the past 16 years, whether or not you currently have an account or not, you might be eligible for part of the class action settlement. I think it's about $750 million. Uh, Only 25% of it can be used in legal fees. So that leaves the remainder to be distributed to all of the people that put their hand up. People are going to get like a dollar. Do you really want to go and hand your information back over to Facebook? Here's my name. Here's my address. Here's my phone number. And I might get a dollar. Thank you. Michael, if you were eligible, and I'm assuming you're not, because it's very much seems like this is only available to Americans in its current shape and form. If you were available, though, would you sign up for something like this? Look, I probably would. It's, uh, but as Meg said, it's a fairly small amount of money. I am actually eligible. You, you made me think about it, Mark. I lived in the US for six months in 2016. So there you go. I could, I go. could perhaps get my 50 cents. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really interesting, interesting case because I don't know if anyone remembers Cambridge Analytica. This all comes back to Cambridge Analytica and this idea that data was being given away to these companies to analyze the data and understand us as users without our consent. And so. If they did this to you, now uh, it's gone to court and you've got an opportunity to ask for some for a cash settlement. Does this matter to users, Meg? I mean, you made the observation that it it's not very much money and perhaps the the power of this, this judgment was more in the punitive quality for what it had for, for Meta and Facebook rather than what it actually means for users. Yeah, I think it definitely, it it, it drew the line in the sand that said that we're not going to stand for this kind of thing. Now, the settlement, I mean, when you have a company that can pay the billion of dollar fines on a whim and it doesn't really impact them, the financial settlement, I think it's it's trivial, trivial in this. It where its importance comes is that you are being held liable for selling data. We now have it proven that you you did this and we're not going to stand for that. And it's it's not okay to do anymore. Out of curiosity, for you, Michael, as a uh, as as, a, as an internet user, what do you think is a reasonable price to put on um, having your data taken by Cambridge Analytica and Facebook in the way that it was? Like, what do you think? Like, we know how much is available, but what actually, if if we were to look at this from the user up as opposed to the platform down, what do you think would a, a reasonable settlement would look like? Oh, look, I think uh, I think our data is very valuable to these organisations. I think over the last 10, 20 years, it's been showing how valuable our data can be to these organisations. I often talk to my students about this and try and remind my students how much data they're giving away when they go onto social media and they talk about their birthdays or the products they like or the amount of pets they have or, or whether they're married or single and how all of that data can be aggregated for marketing purposes and then used to market to you as an individual. And so when you think about how much they're able to use that data to work out you know, that you have pets and they should market pet food to you or that you're single and they should market something to you differently, you start to realise how valuable that is to them. And I think, yeah, getting a few dollars of class action is is certainly not enough for us, us as individuals because essentially as soon as we start to use these platforms, we're providing them with their livelihood in terms of sharing that data with them so that they can market things back to us. 
presumably the amount is going to be somewhat flexible, right, in terms of how much people's data is taken and, you know, the ability to prove how much damage that th- uh, that taking of data was. But, Meg, if you could put a, a number on it, what, what would you put? One million dollars. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure, sounds good. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, a lot. Yeah, you, you, it's again because then it, it is that um, uh, it's got to hurt, right? Because otherwise it's just a payment that they can just do, a, you know, it's just a line on, on a P&L. It's got to hurt. If you want to make these people hurt, then, yeah, I want a million bucks for all my data. We'll, we'll just have so. to wait and see uh, in time whether Meg and Michael get their $1 million. We will check in <laughs> in the coming weeks. But for now, we are out of time. Meg Coffee from Coffee and Tea, digital strategist extraordinaire and person who's low-key judging me for still having a blue tick. Thank you for joining <laughs> us on Download the Show. Oh, I still love you, Mark. It'll be all right. Mm, you say that. But I know what you really think. Michael Cowling, Professor Tech, thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. I will be back next week, probably without a blue tick by the sounds of it. <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed the program, uh, leave us a review on whichever podcasting app you happen to enjoy us on. Of course, we're also available on ABC Listen. My name is Mark Fennell, and I will see you next week for more Download This Show. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.